This is the Movie Hall of Fame class of Bone Joon Ho for June 25th, Thursday, June 25th. I am your host, Adam Hall, and across the table from me is Nico DiGregorio, as always. What's up, man? What's up? How are we doing? I feel naked. What do you mean? I don't have any notes. Oh. Can't grab onto anything. Oh, oh, I see. Well, you got your little soundboard there, so you're doing something. I do. You're not doing nothing. I'm in the passenger seat. You're driving the ship, and I, uh, I'm a little concerned about oh. where we're going. Dude, come on. I, I, I did the Godzilla pod, and the returns were quite good on the Godzilla pod. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the TMT stock shot up. Did very well on Wall Street that day. It was a good gamble. We'll see if it pays off again. But yeah. look at look at me. I've got three whole pages. That's a lot of notes. Of notes, yes. That's a lot of notes. This is I I yeah, I think this is good. See, here's the thing. I had this this theory when I was doing the notes. I was reflecting on how amazing I actually am with my writing right here and whatnot. You see this? Uh-huh. So um, I was like, yeah, you know, I am I am a genius, really. Who uh, you're coming in really hot? Today. I, I am. You're I, coming I just, in really. Hot. It just came to me. <laughs> I, I am a a genius who pretends to be an idiot and succeeds very well for the most time. And you, Nico, you're an idiot who pretends to be a genius and succeeds very well. Yeah, you're kind of like the Bong Joon Ho of this podcast. I think so. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. I'm sorry, I'm being a cocky prick. I don't mean to be. It's just I'm just I'm just being. Fun. It's fun. It's fun here. We went and got McDonald's. Let I'm, me be clear. I am an idiot that pretends to be smart. Yes. You are an idiot that thinks he's pretending to be dumb, but is really, <laughs> you're really punching in your correct weight class. <laughs> That's the only difference. Because I'm all muscle. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was actually my idea for a podcast, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I mean, we had our list of filmmakers that we wanted to go through, and we already did Clint Eastwood, Spike Lee, and there was some debate, I guess. We just weren't sure what we were going to do next, and it was between, I think, uh, Bong Joon-ho, Nicholas Winding Refn, or Wes Anderson, mm. the latter two of which Nico is not particularly fond of. Yes. Unfairly, I think, for Nicholas Winding Refn, because I think you've only seen two of his movies, mm-hmm. and I really think you would like the the first two Pusher films. At okay. the very least, I think you would like those. Well, we'll never find out then. We, we might. I, I'm pushing for a, a Refn pod at some point. You're pushing for some Pusher? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you know it. You know it. <laughs> You know, I think this is a win for the good guys. This yeah, sure. I think I think the good guys won out in the discord. Um, and by the way, not without some turmoil. There were there were some votes in Wes Anderson's direction. I know no votes in Nicholas winning reference direction. That's sad. That's too bad. <laughs> that makes me per- particularly upset, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the good guys won. Orson Welles. I think that was another option that came close. Yeah, and I think one day we need to do some Wells. Yeah, that's a, I, that's one that I hadn't even considered. But I guess like it makes sense. I, I don't know. I've probably seen more Wells films than you, but not like many. Yeah. I've seen most of Othello, which is kind of an interesting... Oh, wow. That's take. like his best Shakespeare, right? I guess. It's like, well, it's like uncompleted for the longest time, and then they found the rest of it and like assembled it or something like right. that. Right. Kind of a weird story with that one. Same thing happened with Other Side of the Wind hmm. from two years... Was it two years ago? A year ago? That's right. Yeah. It's so weird. I, I, I need to watch it. Yeah. The thing about Orson Welles, there aren't many Orson Welles movies. Not as many as you think there are. No. Considering he's like the most important cinematic innovator of all time. (laughs) Technically, yeah. Yeah, the fact that he only made like, I guess, two like classics with a bullet and then a couple other pretty good movies is kind of weird. I know. You know? 
But I've seen both of those movies and I quite like them. Yeah. Uh, but then there's F for Fake, which is the only other one by him that I've seen. And I also love that movie. That's on Criterion, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Very interesting, interesting movie about filmmaking. I mean, sort of an, a, a big metaphor for filmmaking right. and, and, and editing and whatnot. And it's trickery, like, right? It's great. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like a magic trick, basically, that movie, right? <laughs> the entire time he just talks about how he's a charlatan. Got I'm it. a charlatan. He says that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a dumb guy that acts smart. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Orson Welles. <laughs> Me too. No, I think this is actually a pretty good choice, though. Um, it's a contemporary director. We don't normally do a lot of contemporary directors. Normally, we cover you know, someone like Clint Eastwood, who has an entire career under his belt. Bong yeah. is kind of just hitting his creative peak. You know, it, well, it's weird. Well, I don't know. It, it, is it is it his creative peak? I mean, I guess that's up for debate. I mean, he's been good in my opinion for a long time. Yeah, it's just he's only now getting recognized with the the amount of I don't know the the I guess the amount of appreciation that I've always felt that he deserved has has grown uh, to to the height that it, it deserved. You know, past you know Quentin Tarantino always saying you're the best, you're the best, kid. Yes. I love you. Yeah, before it was only Quentin. <laughs> yeah, and now it's everybody. Now it's everyone. Yeah. Because your movie won a shit ton of Oscars, and yeah, you know, way to go. Yeah, uh, he only has seven theatrical movies total. Uh, we nominated five of them, mm-hmm. um, but we did not include Mother, and we did not include Barking Dogs Never Bite. Which, of course, I will see one of these days. Yeah, I have not seen either one of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear Mother is great, though. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy on YouTube. I'm a few years behind the curve on this, but there's this dude was a channel called every frame of painting oh yeah i've seen him okay yeah, yeah. he stopped making video essays a few years ago but he used to make these incredible video essays yes. and i stumbled upon them and i watched every single one he does a great one on memories for a murder great one on memories for a murder and he also did one on mother um, really yeah he's a big bong fan and this was before parasite i think it was even before okja um so yeah his video breakdowns actually have made me appreciate bong a lot more mm-hmm. but his one on mother was pretty awesome and i kind of want to see that movie now cool um but yeah I, I think these are probably the five like most culturally significant bong joon ho movies of the bunch yeah uh i have yet to see a bong film that i honestly didn't love i mean there are ones that i don't like as much i mean there's probably one on this list that i don't technically love and one that i just barely do yeah um but for the most, like when he hits his stride, it's like, whoa, I've never seen anything so good in my life. Yeah. Uh, this dude just like has a robotic sense of where to put the camera at any <laughs> given moment. Yeah. It really is film school watching him. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when you watch a David Fincher movie. It's like everything is in the exact right place, sometimes to its detriment. Like similar to David Fincher movies, these don't have that rough around the edges quality to them. Not um, really. There's not a lot of like spontaneity. There's not a lot of chinks in the armor. Yeah, I think that you you could criticize that. At the same time, you could just say that that's I don't know. It helps illustrate his proficiency as a director. To yeah, have no. such control over all the elements at play. Yeah, I'm not always sure that's the greatest way to make a movie, though. I mean, but that's again personal taste. Like I'm a dude that loves Woody Allen, and yeah. Woody Allen could not give a shit what his actors do at any given no, moment. No, that's the thing. It's like I, I don't, I don't think there's it's a it's a right or wrong way. Yeah. At the end of the day, if it works for you, it works for you. I don't think it because it, it's hard to deny he's he's. It's like okay, is he making a film that doesn't work? Right. No. Right. Almost never. Right. So. Yeah. So I, I certainly credit him for that. Um, and this was a lot of fun. I watched actually uh, three of these movies for the first time. That's right. This week. Um, 
two of them we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, one in particular. Um, but yeah, I think this will this will be a nice little exploration. <laughs> I agree. I'm excited for this. Yeah, yeah. Should we get into it? Yes, we should. Okay. And here we go. Starting off strong with 2003's Memories of Murder, loosely based on the true story of Korea's first serial killer murders in history, which took place between 1986 and 1991 in the Waisong Jianoji province, starring Song Kang-ho, Kim Sang-kung, as uh, Detective Park and Detective Seo, respectively. In a small-town Korean province in 1986, two detectives struggle with the case of multiple young women being found raped and murdered by an unknown culprit. Quentin Tarantino has named it, along with Bones the Host, as one of his top 20 favorite movies since 1992. It was chosen... Oddly specific. Yeah, I know. I, I always thought that, too. Is it because of... When was Reservoir Dogs? Oh, okay, yeah, actually, it's, you're right. Reservoir Dogs came out in 92. What a cocky bastard, because I think he's doing it like, <laughs> when I had my hat in the game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, you can't, you don't really count like a golf title unless you beat Tiger Woods, <laughs> you know? Like, what's the matter with you? Exactly. <laughs> like, does it really, be? okay, great, you have an NBA championship, yeah. <laughs> Was but was Michael Jordan playing at the time? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's moments like that that I just hate Tarantino. Who would you have to beat? Yeah, it's like, I, I love you, Tarantino, but like, fuck you. I'm sometimes. sure the generous way of putting it, maybe this is how he would put it, is that he now views films differently because he makes them. Okay. You know, maybe that's how you could put it. Again, that's a generous way of putting it. Very generous. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I, I see your point. Uh, <laughs> uh, chosen as the best Korean film of the century. I don't know what publication that was, but it's also widely considered as one of the best South Korean films of all time. Uh, and also important to note, marked the first ever collaboration with uh, Song Kang-ho and director Bong. Yeah, Song Kang-ho is sort of a, a nice comforting presence throughout all of these movies. I can't tell you how much happier I am every time I see him in the movie. Yeah, he's kind of the De Niro to 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 Bong Scorsese. It's so unique too, just the way he walks and and, and looks just to or just the little decisions he makes as an actor. Mm. It's like, oh, it's this guy. He reminds me of Toshiro Mifune in terms of yes. how specific he is. Not to say that they're the same kind of performers, right. but it's like it could only come from from song. Yeah, Toshiro Mifune is a little more physical physical yep. performer um song kang ho just does a lot with his face yeah <laughs> just, you know he, and he has just like that very distinctive face and he often plays idiots like bumbling morons True. It's, it's not like he has a lot of like movie star command but there is something like kind of captivating about his facial expressions like so charismatic and just charming like in his goofiness too but like at the same time you always feel like he's gonna pull through it all it's, yeah it's weird because he should be the first character dead in a lot of <laughs> <Right>? movies yes <laughs> but he keeps going i love that about him yeah uh how many of these is he in he's in four of the five movies we're talking today he's he's not an ultra Right, right. That's it, yeah. But he's in the rest, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. And he has a, a prominent role in all of them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty great, isn't it? Yeah, he, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, this movie is uh, is South Korean Zodiac. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. You know... I if, love this movie. If, if South Korean Zodiac, <laughs> directed by Bong Joon-ho, doesn't get you in the door, I don't know what's gonna. Man, this movie floored me when I saw it the yeah. first time. I didn't, and it was pretty recent, too. And I wanted to talk about it so bad, but I'm just like, I don't know when we were gonna have the time to do it. Mm. Um, but, like, holy shit, this movie's incredible. Could be better than Zodiac. 
Wow. It's awesome. That's saying something for you, isn't I, it? I love this movie. I mean, just really just like ripped me in half when I saw it, which is always an expression I love to use, but it's so true. Yeah. I mean, just, just so much awesome command of the camera. And I would say this one's a little more rough around the edges than some of his other ones, but there's still that kind of Fincher-esque command in certain scenes. Mm-hmm. There's like some of the more unforgettable chilling sequences, like when the woman's with the umbrella in the field running away from we don't know what. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. The and- shot of the head emerging from the cornfield, <laughs> yeah. like it's the great pumpkin in Charlie Brown, <laughs> but much more horrifying than that. I love it. Incredible, though. I- but the thing is, though, that that shot doesn't call attention to itself. No. And that's what I love about Bong is he has the confidence to not, like, hold your hand through it. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll often – there's this this staging technique. This actually is a big thing in Kurosawa movies yeah. is that the camera will just be still on three or four characters, and there's not a lot of cutting. There's not a lot of, like, traditional cinematic editing techniques at work. No. It's just four guys in a shot – and the action does all of the work for you. Yeah. You know? It's very old school. Very old school. Now, today, you see someone try to implement that, and the, the scene looks crowded. And a lot of directors don't know how to shoot that stuff. Like, they don't know, particularly, they don't know how to stage it. You know? So it'll be like four characters, and they're all the same, same size of the frame, and they're all lit the same, and the frame just looks crowded. And I don't know where I'm supposed to be looking, and it's distracting. Yep. What Bong does here is he'll put the camera there, but he'll do certain things with his actors yes to so you call certain attention to one over the other and uh he sort of has the confidence to just put the camera down and let the actors do their work mm-hmm. and the audience is going to come to the pr- appropriate conclusion yep um it's really an incredible masterful work of direction this movie this is my favorite bong film yeah and it's i i mean i as much as i adore parasite it's actually not close okay it's actually not even close i absolutely oh so fucking good and what you're talking about with scenes like that are just perfectly expressed like there's a scene where they're in like a bar and they're kind of getting fed up with the case and there's a guy in the background making out with this oh woman. yeah 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 yeah. and there's that drunk uh, uh police uh, um office not Th- officer this yeah. is uh this scene is broken down in the every frame of painting yeah, yeah video yeah yeah and it's great just about like examining the role of each character based on the blocking and the action that they're given right and how it shifts just by one character saying one line of dialogue right and how it's sort of interrupted uh with little moments of levity or, or you know or, or a character just throwing up you know just to it, it kind of mix up the confusion of the moment yeah. and how it's like they're trying to they're trying to work stuff out but something keeps getting in the way yeah and i just love that and then you get to like other scenes where they're just having dinner and how one character is like has his back turned to the camera because he doesn't matter in the scene yes and the camera focuses on like say song just to just because he's interrogating somebody but then it, it knows exactly when to shift, exactly when to cut, and it, it knows exactly the right action to give them to elicit a specific response. I just – the craft here is like something everybody should model after. Yes. I yeah. can't – I mean it's hard to though. I mean it's really hard to a- achieve the bong style. I know. I know. I mean he's a guy that really found a style early on in his career. Yeah. Usually this stuff is developed over time. Um, I, again, I haven't seen uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite, but like I assume that – it's another just like masterful work of editing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of Scorsese esque, man. It's like when you watch a Scorsese movie, you feel like you're in the, in, in like in good hands. Yes. Like you feel like the camera is showing you the exact thing you're supposed to be shown. And so you give yourself up to the movie. It's a really powerful thing when you trust a filmmaker. Oh yeah. You know, and that's the thing about bong, like bong stories tend to go in some pretty, 
gnarly places. Yeah. Um, they're darkly comedic a lot of the time, and there's, there yeah. are broad tonal shifts. Um, and you really need someone that, that knows what he's doing behind the camera in order for you to buy all of those tonal shifts. Well, they shouldn't work ever like they are so drastic at times where it's just like i can't believe that work yes it's like you you're like there's no possible way this guy sticks the landing here yeah but he does and um i always think of like the scene where they find the the mentally challenged boy Mm. and they go into the woods and they're trying to record his his confession in quotes because they think he did it Mm. and as his one partner is like egging the guy on, uh, uh, Song's character just comes up and knocks him out of the way. Yes, and it's so silly and funny. Yeah, but I like I don't again I don't know why it works. Right, but something about it just kind of does. And I, I I don't know maybe it's done to illustrate the fact that what's going on here is not really what they're looking for. Because as soon as they get to the ending where they feel like okay this is definitely the guy, there is none of that. Yes, there's absolutely none of that. It's very careful with the way it sparses out those quote unquote tonal shifts right so um yeah there's a lot of great comedy i mean right away during that first investigation when they find the dead body um as you said by the way the plot just involves a serial killer being hunted it's very similar to zodiac and i understand why a lot of those comparisons have been made um but the investigation is a disaster yeah the crime scene is swarmed with press and bystanders and the cops don't know what the hell they're doing and uh, they're screaming at people to get behind the line and to quit tampering with evidence. And like right away, you understand that uh, that Song Kang Ho is a terrible detective. <laughs> well, it's yes. It, it, and a lot of that is just because I think the nature of like the Korean culture and that's what they're contending with. They've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, they understand like the protocol. But I mean, if you're not conditioned to say, OK, get out of here or else I'm fucked, mm. like you're not necessarily going to be as quick to the gun to be like, get out of my crime scene. Well, I guess they're in it. Sure. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, they're, they touch the panties. Oh, you stepped and made more footprints. OK. Yeah. Good point. It's just like this is the job we've been trained to do and we're not equipped to handle something like this. It's kind of like Fargo in that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes. look, we're cops yep. in, in Minnesota. Like we're not or North Dakota, I guess, South Dakota. Uh, we're just, we're not built for these circumstances. But the thing is, it's like they, <laughs> those officers are much luckier than the officers here. Right. <laughs> like, like, my God, like this is like one of the worst investigations anyone's ever contended with. And it's not just because they don't know what they're doing. It's also just because their egos get in the way all the time. They're an incredibly corrupt police department. Yes. yes. <laughs> but man, is it, is, does it work? I just love, love, love when song is like so convinced, like he can spot the killer a mile away. Yeah. Yes. And how that pays off in the end. Right. When he goes, look at me, look in my eyes. Like, yeah, exactly. The ego of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not Columbo, dude. No. Like, it's not like this in the movies. Yep. You know, it's you don't know who the guy is. You need evidence for that. Well, exactly. But by the end of it, you're like, uh, it, it, I, it's so funny because you want to believe him in that moment. Like, uh, use your your crime fighting <laughs> intuition to look into this guy's eyes and see, OK, this is you. The fact that I go from, okay, you're so full of shit to being like, oh, please be right, man. Right. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's great. the character that the, the, the other detective who, who uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce all these names or remember all these names. Um, but the the other detective, that's his journey, right? Like yeah. at first he's by the book. He's a responsible investigator. He uh, immediately squashes out this police brutality going on yeah. at the station. He's yeah. like, no, we're not going to have any of this. Uh, we're going to do this by the book. Yeah. And then by the end of it, he becomes, uh, uh, Sang 
Kong Ho's character, essentially. Yeah. Uh, just hoping and praying that this is finally the guy and yep. he's ready to take justice into his own hands. It's an incredible scene there by yep. the train tracks. Which, uh, oh my God. Like, I think like that's one of those moments that like it just submits like, oh, this is one of the greater things I've seen. Yeah. It's like there's always like like those scenes in movies where it's just like, yes, baby. Yeah. I love it. But they actually caught the guy. Oh, did they? Like eventually. I think like recently they caught the guy. Like I think last year or something. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Or like supposedly. So it might have been him still, might have not. But uh, it, I, what, from my research, it was more like them trying to make themselves feel better. Huh. So it's like, okay, like this uh, checks off enough boxes. It's nice to just be able to say we close the case in heavy quotes, but they're not entirely sure. Okay. So, well, I mean, it's kind of hard 20 years later. I, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not exactly a Zodiac situation, but so. yeah, uh, still there is that great ambiguity at the end. I love that. Um, but again, I also think this is my nitpick with Zodiac. I don't know how many times I've said this, but the ambiguity at the end of Zodiac rings a little hollow because they are so sure that it's this one guy. Mm -hmm. Um, this movie does not try to have its cake and eat it too. Like they think it could maybe be this guy, but there's still a lot of doubt there. It's sort of, it's the opposite of Zodiac. Zodiac explains that there's a lot of doubt, but it's probably this dude. This movie explains it might be this dude, but there's still a lot of doubt. Yes. And the doubt is really what the, the climax rests on, right? Oh, and it's great. It's very well done. I don't mind it in Zodiac. To me, it just works because it's so specifically for um, 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 Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah. In that moment where it's like, I just want to look at him and know. And that's enough for me in terms of just a, a story perspective, like narratively, that feels right, even if it hangs on it a bit much. And the movie kind of corrects itself with the opening credits where it's like, yeah, like they didn't find the evidence that it was Arthur Lee Allen, so on and so forth. Sure. But here, uh, even just like the very, very, very end of like what could have been when he goes back to the scene and then the guy was like – or a little kid was like, yeah, I saw someone here – like not so long ago. Oh, that was incredible. Isn't that a great little poetic moment? What an incredible moment? coda that is. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Important to know, uh, uh, Bong uh, began writing this in 2000, and it took him a year to write the script. And he said, uh, for the first six months, I didn't write a line of the script because I was just researching. Okay. It took him six months of just pure research. And it's also important to notice uh, that um, despite the film being based on a series of real murders in the Korean provincial town of Hwaisong during the 1980s, Bong Joon-ho also drew a lot of inspiration from a play called Come See Me, which dramatized the incidents to the extent that he stated in an inter- interview. Uh, if, it were, if it weren't for Kim... Uh, guang rims play um you know this is a really big undertaking doing I, five asian movies <laughs> or actually I, almost 10 asian movies over the last 10 days <laughs> we're sorry people we're stupid it's, a, it's an incredible podcast endeavor we're stupid americans yeah well we're, we're philistines please give us a medal of honor yeah we're philistines <laughs> who read kafka yeah um <laughs> uh kafka ask too good but he also goes on to say like i would have had a lot of problems establishing the structure if it weren't for that play and he also said that he got a little uh, inspiration for the depiction of the era through alan moore's uh graphic novel from hell okay which was adapted with fucking i think johnny depp or something but that movie's not great apparently is it called from hell yeah it's about jack the ripper i have not seen the whole thing honestly. okay it's interesting and now i i believe though that this movie is not like 
beat for beat a retelling of the story. This is sort of no. a fictionalized version of this crime, right? Yeah. I mean, I prefer this, honestly. I don't like movies that try to get too specific with it. If like if it's if it's gonna detract from making just an entertaining movie because well, it depends, me, right? But but the, yeah, it depends on the story. Exactly. Like Zodiac works very well in that in those respects. But like yeah. you're inherently making stuff up. Sure. So it's like, just go with it. Like I think of the wind rises, which we just talked about, uh, last week. Yeah. We talked about it last week. Sure. Uh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but that movie like is obviously going to take liberties with its story, but, um, I, I, I just think it, it steers into that and the movie's all the better for it. Mm. Cause it can't like draw specifically from that time. It, what I mean, bong was not around for this. Yeah. Uh, look, if you're making all the president's men, like, I want you to be as accurate to the history as possible. Sure. But yes, in this case, like I understand that it's a, a pulpy sort of serial killer story mm-hmm. and it's just great crime fiction. And I'm totally fine with them fictionalizing that. Me too, me too. I will say, man, uh, I wrote this down in my notes. Why are women still walking alone in the middle of the night, like through the woods? Like there are several shots of just women on a path in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Was that not super creepy though? Call an Uber. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? Call an Uber. Dude, I, whatever, it's man. The 1980s. <laughs> Call a cab. Whatever you got to do, man. Like you hear that a serial killer's on the loose and little girls are getting murdered in the woods. Quit walking by yourself in the woods. They're coming from school. Still. Um, Take the bus. They, d- did you see this town they were in? Take the cat bus. <laughs> there are no buses in sight. There are no cars. <laughs> it's a shitty place. Get an escort, man. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Still, that scene is incredibly tense. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and oh, oh, I also had a note just just to speak to Bong's incredible sense of humor, because again, for all like the praise that's being heaped on bong he is a bit of a weirdo mm-hmm. and like he has a really twisted unique sense of humor yeah i agree um but there are so many of those moments in this movie like that smash cut to the bathhouse mm. where he goes uh, where uh uh song kang ho uh realizes that the dude probably has no pubic hair because <laughs> no pubic hair was recovered on the body of the rape victim mm-hmm. so he goes that uh, we should be looking for guys with uh, no hair down there and the other detective goes well, what do you suggest that you go to a bathhouse smash cut sang kong, <laughs> kong ho is in the bathhouse just looking at a bunch of naked men there's so many great moments in this it's a beautiful blend of comedy and drama yep. and just genuine thrills yes but it good. never feels like it's not taking it seriously i agree you know yeah I agree with you. I absolutely adored this movie too. Okay, thank you. Because I, yeah, I think like most of the decisions here are pitch perfect. Like, like I said, it just works as a good drama thriller, but like so tense mm. and some really unforgettable sequences. I just, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. I'm with you. So, uh, yeah, great movie. Good job on your second feature there. Good old bong. Let's see how you did on your third feature. I gotta watch the next two. Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna do it this week. I'm just going to bang it out. Bang it out, yeah. I, I really want to do Mother so bad. Mother! Mother! No, you don't. You don't <laughs> want to do that. Uh, uh, well, I that's got, a good point. There's two movies called Mother, aren't yeah. there? One has an exclamation point, though. Right. It's a little different. It's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> one, is, <laughs> one is more pronounced than the other. Well, one doesn't capitalize the M, too. That's the other thing. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. So they're different movies. There you go. Different titles altogether. Yeah. Uh, fucking... Uh, 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 why am I blanking on the 
on uh, Aronofsky. Aronofsky's name. No, it, it, the gall of Aronofsky to be like, all right, I want to emphasize the title with an exclamation <laughs> point. So dumb. But I don't want to capitalize the M. <laughs> I hate- Explain that stylistic choice to me. I don't think you can. He's just an artistic shit. Yell the title, but just not too loud. Let's move on. I'm tired of this. Uh, the host. Yeah. The host. The Star- host. Yeah. Starring Song Kang Ho. Uh, uh, Never heard of him. Me neither. Uh, Byung Hee Bong. I think I did a good job. Uh, Park Hai Il and Bay Donna and uh, Go A Song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go with you on that. Okay. Uh, A monster emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. One victim's loving family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches. The Japanese film magazine uh, Kinema Jumpo, my God, these names, uh, selected it as... Nick should be here for this. Yeah, we need him so far. Our resident Japanese man. (laughs) Nick, it is Gyeongjipo. Okay, (laughs) let's go. Uh... (laughs) Selected uh, the the fucking magazine selected it <laughs> selected it as uh, one one of the top ten best foreign films of the year in two thousand six, followed by Flags of Our Fathers. Huh? Yeah, Flags of Our Fathers won best foreign film of the year in two thousand six to this magazine, and not Letter to Iwo Jima. Well, that was later. I think it was the following year. Wait, no. not in America. It no. was the same year. It was like two months within one another. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's an odd choice. Interesting. I mean, I like Flags of Our Fathers, but yeah, yeah. it's not the correct choice. Um, so, uh, yeah, and also did quite well. By the end of its run on November 8th in 2006, 13 million tickets have been sold, making it at the time the highest grossing South Korean film of all time. Really? Of all time. Wow. Yeah. The film was also listed as number 81 in Empire's list of the 100 best films in world cinema. The host. Wow. Interesting. I mean, that is the thing about South Korean cinema. It's kind of like a... I mean, although there is a long and storied history to South Korean cinema, I just now is it getting the recognition that it deserves. Yeah. Parasite was the first South Korean film to even be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. I've seen a lot of good South Korean films. Me too. Like a lot of good ones. I just saw Burning a few years ago. Have you seen Burning yet? I haven't. You told me a lot about it. That is an incredible movie, man. Even like the rough ones that are like just tough to watch. I mean, Old Boy is a South Korean film. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I saw. How was that not nominated for Best Foreign Language Film? I don't know because it's violent. Yeah. I saw The Devil is a fucking masterpiece. I know that that's like not a pleasant watch, but like it's incredible. It's yeah. an incredible film. It's undeniable. Yeah, so I think like Bong is really like the he he's he's breaking the uh, the South Korean barrier there. Yeah, you know, I'm happy for him. Yeah, I just I, I his contemporaries are really good though. They're really really good. I hope they do more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, what? So yeah, this is a it's a monster movie. It is it's creature a, feature. Yeah, pretty interesting one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the host. <laughs> I watched this for the first time. Yes, I know. Um. Didn't love the CGI. Me neither. Bad CGI. Well, there are, again, when it's shot from a distance, it's perfectly fine. Yes. Perfectly fine. There are many moments where, like, they're in the sewer, and one in particular where the girl is looking up, and it just kind of sticks its tongue down, and then it just turns away. Yes. It's like, it's not so good. Not so good. I have no problem with bad CGI. I have no problem with using puppets, if you want to, or using, like, you know, other practical effects for movies like this um 
I just think like you have to know when to cut away from the monster. And I feel like in this movie, Bong didn't know exactly when to cut away from the monster. Mm-hmm. Like there are, I think like too many shots of just the thing standing there trying to tip over a building. <laughs> and, you know, I, here's what I appreciated actually when you first meet the monster and this movie goes right into it. Oh yeah. Right away. It's like, this is a creature feature, man. We poisoned the, the, the lake and uh, look what man has done to nature. Yeah. Um, they introduced the monster as just a cocoon underneath the bridge. Yeah. And I loved that moment because it's so creepy. It shows you the monster right away and it doesn't hide anything from you. And every other character sees the monster as well in all of its glory, but they don't know what to think of it yet. Yep. So many monster movies, it's like, oh, there's Godzilla. I'm immediately afraid. Yep. This isn't that. Nope. This, you along with the audience are taking a few seconds to process exactly what your eyes are seeing. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that stillness underneath it, underneath that bridge that that makes it all the more creepy. It is so creepy. I love that though. Like what is that in the distance? Yes. Which is something like I see in a lot of like Japanese monster movies, you know, and I think that comes from their fear of tsunamis. Okay. <laughs> Which is why like the Shin Godzilla works so well for me where it's like, oh, what is that over there? Which- yeah. Shin Godzilla does it great as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, you know, something I for- completely forgot to mention on the, the other podcast we did about, um, 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 uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Quick little note, just and I'll get right off of it. But okay. the the voice actor for the guy who plays Jiro in The Wind Rises is none other than Hideaki Anno, who directed Shin Godzilla. Oh wow! Fun little fact. Okay, I wanted to say that and I missed it. But yeah, thank you. I'm gonna forget that in 30 seconds, but that's okay. I think it's cool. I'll it's, go with it's it. Cool. Just made me think of it. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, but yeah, I like the CGI. Like it's spotty. It's the best way. Very. It's not that it's always bad. Like I, I don't have any issue with it in the first like scene where it's just terrorizing the public. I think for the most part that's all pretty good. I, I really like the shot where it 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 uh, eats the fat guy and it's like it, the guy's leg is hanging out. It's yeah. Really, you know, really creepy but funny at the same time. And it's well animated. It ha- actually has a lot of character in my opinion, and it's a really cool design. Again, so often you see monster movies where it's like, really, that's the design of your monster? Just the fifth Cloverfield right. rip-off? Seriously? Right. But this is like my idea of like the most strangely mutated fish yes. I've ever seen. And I loved it. And that's the idea, right? Like, this is not just one creature. This is like a bunch of creatures that became genetically mutated yeah. in the ocean. Yeah. And like, there, like, there's actually a scene towards the end where like a fish falls off of the creature. Mm-hmm. So it, it, this is suppo- supposedly like an amalgamation of a lot of undersea life. It's very... Very weird. Yeah. Very, very creative. I like the tail. I'm not sure like the face was that distinct. Maybe that was the point. It's kind of distinct. I mean, it, I, it's it's weird. It's because it's got like three jaws and it kind of flaps open, you know? Yeah. It's weird. But again, like really, to me, very memorable. It's not that I, I couldn't draw this. Right. <laughs> but uh, but like, I don't think it's something that like escapes your mind necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's and you know it becomes scarier as the movie goes on when you realize like how it kills its victims mm. and how it's just like wasting people away which is really creepy and um yeah i just think when it's put into dark areas the cgi sucks yeah every time it goes into a very dark cavern it just doesn't work yeah and also work on your cgi fire oh yeah that oh was, yes wasn't that bad uh, yes i agree 100 percent. yeah other than that, yeah, 
I love this movie. Yeah, I know you do. It's um, a fun ass little monster movie. Yeah, it's got some dumb things to, with some of the social commentary that are a little outrageous. But the movie's too much fun, man. I just had a blast with it. Yeah, it is a ton of fun. Again, it has that bong comedy sensibility. Um, at the beginning of this movie, when the daughter supposedly dies, we come to find out that she doesn't actually die. She was abducted by this monster and brought back to its lair. Um, that scene of them crying in, in like that gymnasium. Um, and they're like, th- this essentially is a movie about a dysfunctional family that yes. comes together after this tragedy, after this monster strikes and kills their mm-hmm. family member. Uh, and just them sobbing and wrestling with each other <laughs> yeah. is just so darkly hilarious. And it's again, one of those moments that like only bong or maybe the Coen brothers can pull off. Like it's both genuinely sad and disturbing, mm-hmm. but also kind of funny. Yep. And I think that only, he only gets away with it because he brings the daughter back to life later on in the movie. I think if she was actually dead, that scene doesn't work as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, the movie is just super funny throughout. And I, and a lot of that is song King Ho like because he, um, he's hilarious in this every scene with him trying to go up against the monster where he grabs like that that concrete sign and tries to hit it with it and then the way he looks at it and just kind of backs up it's yeah. just his his mannerisms and his choices are just so unique to him and like I said it's just so captivating to watch him do his thing because even in this he's a bubbling idiot yes who should not be making it through any of these moments especially when he gets abducted by the government or just you you feel like every possible bad thing that could happen to him ha- should happen. Mm-hmm. And then somehow he escapes and he tries spraying people with his virus. Yeah. <laughs> which is such a ridiculous scene, but so funny. Yeah. There's just a lot of that. The notion like I have my blood, I'm going to squirt it at you. And it's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of that throughout the movie. Don't, ma- don't move. I got a syringe. <laughs> <laughs> virus. There's no virus. Yeah. I just love that little moment. As far as we're concerned. There is no virus. Right. And he understands that one little bit of English. It's a hoax, if you will. Yeah. It's a hoax of a virus. It's like, what? It's a Chinese hoax. <laughs> um, it's all about COVID. Love the scene where um, the, the Song King Ho starts falling asleep and the father is talking to his two siblings. Mm. And so he has like this moment of heart to heart. He's like, listen, you guys, do you really think your brother's that pathetic? And they go, yeah. yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> and it's again like this great, just like dysfunctional family moment. But it's got it's so like palpable in terms of like how much they really love each other. Yeah. And it's it's again another like undeniable little bone moment. I mean, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're eating and then the daughter comes out of nowhere. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's that same scene, I think. Yeah. 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 And she's obviously not really there. It's just them wishing for the best and just like, trying their best to have like what they think is like the normal moment that they want. It's right. so touching. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, like, I guess I didn't realize how like accessible Bong's movies are. Yeah. And I, I don't think most people understand this. I mean, uh, I know there was a lot of skepticism when Parasite won Best Picture. Yeah. But what I've told anyone that's a little hesitant to check it out is like, look, man, it's not going to be like homework for you. Like, it's a fairly mainstream, thrilling, like, dark comedy. It's just so Hitchcockian. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's it's just a Hitchcock movie. Right. If you can't watch that, then you're not going to be able to watch Parasite. But, I mean, it's it's Hitchcock. Right. Uh, I mean, this movie is a blockbuster. This movie yeah. is an old school, like Warner Brothers monster movie. Yeah. Um, and that first scene where the monster is wreaking havoc on everyone. And it's that iconic shot of the daughter being pulled away into the mm-hmm. ocean. Um, 
is just like movie magic. Yep. You know, that's just like big screen, big budget movie magic. Yeah. Great long take where it's like just running into people. I just love the way it behaves with people too. Like it's just a great little moment. That's not like overly violent either. Mm. It's pretty tastefully done, but like, it's just so interesting to see what this thing's going to do. Cause you're not necessarily sure if it's just going to hit you out of the way or eat you. Yes. And it just makes the scenes all the more tense whenever the people get close to it. There is an unpredictability to this monster that I think is what you hinted at earlier. Like he's just this mishmash of undersea life Mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't know exactly where his face begins and his, and ends, you know, speaking of not knowing where the face begins and ends, uh, co-writer and director Bong Joon-ho and the designer of the creature nicknamed it Steve Buscemi. <laughs> That's so mean. That's so mean. <laughs> Buscemi's not a handsome man. But I wouldn't call him a uh, fish monster. A fish monster. It's <laughs> not how I would describe it. Believe me, I've described many people in my day as fish monsters. That's not one of them. Am I a fish monster? Um. <laughs> <laughs> nothing i like more than an awkward pause <laughs> i would also like to say that the uh the event itself with you know uh i forgot the name of the creature they give it a more specific name but uh the creature itself and what happens um the event is uh slightly inspired by an actual event fun fact uh in february 2000 <laughs> It's based on a true story uh, that yeah, you're saying this movie. Exactly. <laughs> the, the beginning parts are quite close. So, the, the, yes, it's a true story. I'm just going to say it now. It's a true story. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, in February 2000, at a U.S. military facility located in the center of Seoul, uh, a U.S. military civilian employee named Dr. Mr. Uh, McFarland was ordered to dispose of formaldehyde by dumping it into the sewer system that led to the Han River, despite the objection of a South Korean subordinate. Not great. Not smart. Not a smart move. Why you would do that, I have no fucking idea. You know, because then you get giant fish monsters and, you know, that's no fun. Mm. I've never uh, played with formaldehyde before. Never played with formaldehyde? No. Uh, you never stuffed anything, Nico? Never have. Come on, man. No, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in morgues. It's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate that shit. I hate that that's what, that's what they do. I think that's the worst profession. Dude. <laughs> I think it's the worst. Who the hell would want that? Stitching up dead bodies and like draining blood and like working in a funeral home must be terrible. What would that do to you as a person? I don't know, man. God. You ever seen Six Feet Under? No. Yeah, that family's like fucked up. I wouldn't watch that. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be those people. Fuck no. I don't think I'd want it either. Mm. No, no thank you. <laughs> um yeah, I, the one scene I think my favorite scene in the movie is towards the end when uh when uh, the daughter's trying to escape that oh. layer. That escape sequence is just so perfect. Mm. And again like if you want just a dose of film school on your own time, yep. just watch the staging of that scene watch just how bong plays around with the sound and you know that moment of that beast slowly wrapping its its tail around the girl but remains asleep like there's just so much tension and it's incredibly choreographed it's gonna say just as a sequence of of suspense like like unforgettable yes and so like every note is just pitch perfect pays off too yeah it's interesting about that scene is that technically she dies yeah. That's the scene where she dies. Right. We don't realize it until much later, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for spoiling the movie again. Whatever. 
people should know that we spoil movies in our podcast. That's true. Well, you spoil movies on our podcast. What am I going to do? Not talk about the movie? This is... Come on, guys. You you know us. I just think that there's probably a chance, if you're listening to this, that you haven't watched the South Korean horror film, The Host. I just think there's a good chance. You think so? I would say maybe less than 3% of our listeners have watched <laughs> The Host. You don't think that the movie has reached that cultural significance? No, I don't think so. I, unlike <laughs> you, who have posters of it in your room and have watched it, you know, five times this week. <laughs> I love this movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. It's a really good movie. I, again, I think the CGI is a little questionable. Um, if this movie comes out just five years later and maybe has an American budget. Yeah. You know, like if an American studio gave Bong the money to do this. I mean, there's another movie we're going to talk about later that is yeah. heavily uh, CGI. Mm-hmm. And I think it works a lot better there. I agree. Maybe it's not a better movie, but at least the CGI works better there. I just, you know, I wish he maybe waited. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's okay, dude. What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't, I'm sure he thought it was fine at the time. They're thinking of remaking it to Gore Verbinski was pro- possibly going to do it. But I don't know. I don't know. I could see it getting remade. I also have to comment. I like the structure of this movie quite a bit and how it gets to the point where you give up in a similar way that they do. Well, I mean, not to say that you give up. You just get very tired mm. by like them trying to fuck like like fuck this thing up or, or, or you know, try to discover like what actually happened to the daughter because it goes on for years. The story spans a couple of years, which is actually quite unexpected when I first saw it. What? Yeah. It start The movie takes place, I think, in uh, Jesus Christ. They said something like uh, in some of my trivia that it goes all the way to like 2006. What are you talking about? That's what I th- heard, yeah. That, I, I don't even think they signify that in the movie, though. No. There's a passage of time sequence. Yeah, that's definitely How true. does the girl stay alive all that time? That I don't know. <laughs> are you serious? This takes place over multiple years? That I think so. I mean, maybe I misread something, but yeah. That I think you might have. That, that doesn't make much sense yeah. to me. I don't know. Hold you got to look at that IMDb trivia. Uh, hold on. <laughs> uh, the host timeline. Let's see. Uh, okay, this is nothing involving the movie. <laughs> Just go to the go to um 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 Jesus Christ. Uh, go to the IMDb page for. Uh, it was a fun fact on IMDb. Yeah. But I was just saying I like that structure where the, the, the movie gets to a point where it's like they've just been at this for a long time. It just, I don't know, it adds a lot of a weight to the story. Uh, uh, Tarantino. The film takes place in 2000, 2002, and 2006. But I don't think, I think what they mean by that is that the the first scene is in 2000 of the dump. Yeah. 2002 is the monster attack. 2006 is that final moment in the trailer. Okay. I th- I think. Still a lot of years. No, but that's like a coda, though. That's oh. an ad- You know what I mean? That final scene where he's with the boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, the yeah. shop. Yeah, that's, that's like a flash forward. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I think you read that wrong. Eh, technically, I was right. It still spans multiple years. <laughs> Just what, not what, a very interesting fact. Whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> we can let's move on i really like this movie yeah i do too i like it quite a bit yeah yeah it's a pretty awesome little monster thriller not a horror movie i think a lot of people think it's going to be a horror film it's really not i mean it's scary i guess yeah ish 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 it's thrilling that's definitely true 
But now we're moving on to Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer. Let's get to it. Starring Chris Evans, Song Kang-ho, yet again, Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Jamie Bell, Octavia Spencer, Go Ah-sung, John Hurt, and Ed Harris. Mm. Really good cast. Um, His first American production. That is true. Yeah, that's one of my facts, but everybody knows that. Um, Snowpiercer train travels a globe-spanning track carrying the last remnants of humanity after a failed attempt at climate change and climate engineering kind of crazy, uh, to stop global warming, which has created a new snowball earth. A new but oppressive class system emerges, leading Curtis Everett, one of the lower class tail section passengers, to rebel against the elite of the front of the train. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this one quite a bit in the past. I have some reservations about it. Um, and I'm going to say some similar things about Okja when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about the host is that there is social commentary, but the social commentary does not call attention to itself. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Really? I felt like it was even more blatant in the host, but like, especially at the beginning, um, I guess, but it's just like one scene. It's yeah, but that's the thing though. Like it's, it's, there's a consistency with the themes in Snowpiercer that I actually don't quite think are there in the host. Okay. It's a little uneven in that way, even though I, I actually prefer, I mean, I obviously love the host a, a bit more, but uh, in terms of the thematic content, I think it's, it, it feels more whole in Snowpiercer than it does in the host. Maybe. Uh, Snowpiercer is definitely a lot more on the nose though, in terms of its yeah. social commentary. Sure. Uh, it's literally haves and have nots on a train the closer to the front, that's where all the rich people are. The further from the front, the poorer they are. And it's just like this visual manifestation of the, uh, of the class system of, I guess the global class system. Yep. Um, and I think like, that's a really cool idea and I really respect and appreciate the idea. Um, I, I just thought the execution wasn't exactly what I wanted and it's not necessarily bong's fault. I think just like a lot of this movie is hampered by a language barrier. I just think the script is at times, it sounds like it was translated from South Korean. (laughs) It doesn't feel like an American script. And that's, you know, it's an American story. It's American characters. Like, you know, I, I I feel like if someone did a rewrite, I don't know how many guys uh, helped with the script, but if someone did a rewrite, they could have polished it up a lot more. And I also think like the performances don't entirely work for me. Sometimes they're a little, too pronounced like tilda swinton is not reined in at all in this movie no uh i mean there's another movie where she's not reined in at all certainly not Uh, we'll get to it but i don't know i kind of like that okay i don't mind like if you're gonna do a movie that's about something this outrageous which it is and you know so such a different look at a sci-fi future um i don't mind if you want to be a little over the top with it i'm okay if your movie wants to get even more pronounced just as long as it feels like it fits within the story and i think that's uh applicable here i don't really dislike anybody in the movie honestly tilda swinton's like awkward and creepy mm-hmm. and i hate her but like i think that's <laughs> the point yeah <laughs> it's just like the shittiest nastiest human being imaginable yeah and even though like her purpose is very over the top, like they end up doing a lot with her that feels creative, like the way they take her on their journey through the train and how she ultimately ends up. And yeah, I just think the movie as an action film is so unique. And it's it's just an it's very like I guess, you know. I like confined movies like this in general, 
You know, I talk about that a lot where it's like you, your, your characters are forced to move forward or die. Yes. And just, they're just inherently compelling to me and they're tense. And in a movie like this, you, it, it takes place in a train. You don't think that it would get as creative as it does, but like how the movie explores what each like layer of the train means to the people, not just of the elite, but also the poor mm. is so fascinating to just the discovery of like what the food is. Yeah. Which is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I like most of the decisions in this movie. I, I'm trying to think of something like, honestly that i dislike yeah i'm I'm a big fan of this one it's it's very inventive again i I just think it's a movie that is a lot better on paper than it is in execution um maybe now that being said i haven't revisited it since i watched it back in whatever 2014 13 or maybe you saw it i I maybe saw it a year later um so uh, you know maybe if that's a long time ago so maybe i would think differently if i watched it now first bong film i ever saw yeah me too me too uh i i remember loving the allison pill school uh the classroom sequence shit is fucking weird man yeah that one just really goes for it and i and i uh you know the movie is again kind of tonally inconsistent purposefully um and i I don't know i remember that being kind of amusing yeah um yeah and i also i don't know i found like that that climax to be a little unsatisfying too well the okay here's what i'm saying the biggest problem in this in terms of like all fronts, like screenwriting, the, the, the structure of the film, the storytelling, uh, the performances, that third act with Ed Harris, that enti- every moment with him in the heart of the train, yeah. the engine, none of that worked. For it's me. rough. None of that works for me. It's rough. He doesn't work in the film. The writing doesn't work. The climax doesn't work. I like the moment where they say nice and then the train crashes. Yeah. And that's about it. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. I'm not exactly sure like what he found at the end of that train. <sighs> The, the 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 revelation is that the rebellion was always su- supposed to happen so that Chris Evans could run the train. Yeah, and why that needed to be the case seems kind of counterintuitive. Sure, but like a little what, too cute. I too. mean, well, it proves to be counterintuitive because the fucking train crashes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not the the smartest decision because I think everything up until that kind of like gelled for me and was working, and I loved the progression of all the events and. You know, nothing about it like felt like it was dragging or slowing down. It's just, it almost felt like a different movie at that point. Mm. Just like, where did this come from? Yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why I didn't care for it. It's and it's right at the end. Yeah, whenever that happens, right at the end, it, it can sour. I did do. I do like the moment where they finally go outside and they see the polar bear. Just to you know, it kind of reminds me of the ending of THX one one three eight. Okay, of all things. Where it's like, you know, you, you see a, a glorious sun and you see a bird. It's like there's still a chance life has gone on in this world and you can survive out there. Right. So. Yeah. Um, pretty good. Uh, you know, again, I, I just think like I prefer when he works in his native language, I guess. <laughs> I don't think, the, again, the only time it doesn't work for me is the Ed Harris scene. Yeah. Everything else was perfectly fine for me. Honestly, the Allison Pill scene really made me uncomfortable, and I wasn't sure if it was working or not. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe it was, but I just remember being super fun. I, I just remember like that that just burst of violence to just be like shocking and Tarantino esque. I really liked that her insane yes. face. That she it's a gives. great performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really, really good. You know, she's really good in what Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Really good in Scott Pilgrim versus the World as the redhead. She might be better in that actually. I was going to say the newsroom, but close enough. She, no, no. Scott Pilgrim is better than the newsroom. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Let's just be honest. Um, <laughs> this is um, – oh, and of course, there's your famous Harvey Weinstein story. Great story. You know, of course, I found this, and I, I don't know if anybody knows this. We talked about it on a 
uh, older podcast, but there is a scene in which uh, the authorities of the train confront the the rebellion, and one of the guys, as a means of intimidation, holds up a fish and cuts it open in front of all of them to show how sharp his knife is and just to scare the shit out of them. And there was a bit of a uh, they. Because this was, you know, funded by Harvey Weinstein, and Bong had butt heads with him. He's like, "I really, really want this in the movie." And like that's ever happened before. <laughs> let's not go into that. <laughs> let's not do that now. No, but no, Weinstein was, uh, you know, he he meddled in a lot of his projects. I mean, can you argue with the results? I guess not. I'm, I mean, certain meddling was not called for, but I think, like, you know, I I, I think Harvey is a a competent studio head actually above average studio head and i I think had pretty good film instincts sure 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 regardless Mm. um i wouldn't say that this was a good film are there fries still in there by the way oh maybe i don't know you want some fries yeah i do i wouldn't say that this is a good film instinct because i love this in this little detail Mm. it kind of like is the perfect note to start that scene on um which which in the fight scene that ensues is great um i have to say yeah uh he he goes on to be like, yeah, no, the reason I want this scene in the movie is because my dad was a fisherman and it means a lot to me. <laughs> and please let me have it in the in the scene. And Harvey uh, sort of, you know, agrees. But in a rare moment of humanity for Harvey Weinstein. That's, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. You know, he's hesitant, but he, he agrees to do it. Later on, Bong in an interview says, yep, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> my dad was not actually a fisherman. I just wanted it in the movie. Great story. I love that story. <laughs> One of my favorites. What a dick. <laughs> but good for you, Bong. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I... Listen, I, I see a lot of the things that people like about this movie. And I don't mean to rain on anyone's parade. Um, and I think it would probably probably help if I revisited it. I didn't have much time this week. I was watching a lot of movies. I just think, I think it's a really, really good little sci-fi action film. Mm. You know, like I said, I, I agree with you that the, the, the third act without Harris doesn't quite work. It's kind of like third act of dark Knight vibes. <sighs> no, that that's like five hours long. <laughs> that third act. Don't even get me started. No, just that like everything comes together too conveniently. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I do like the destruction of the train though. It kind of makes up for it. Yeah, that stuff's good. Uh, oh yeah, spoiler, the train, you know, gets destroyed. By the way, Snowpiercer has been turned into a television show for TNT. Comment on that. I have no fucking idea how good it is. I heard it was quite bad. Okay. But I think it's currently airing. Um, all right, all right. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, Bong is like doing a lot of TV stuff now. They're doing Parasite on HBO. Yeah, yeah. As a TV show, so we'll see what that is. Apparently that's all the stuff that he couldn't fit into the script. Okay, interesting. Is he doing anything with it? Is he, is he himself working on it? I assume he'll be involved with the script or something. All right. Well, let's hope. Yeah. No, if he directed every episode of Parasite, the TV show, I'm in. That'd be sweet. Yeah. But I guess we'll we'll find out. Yeah, we will. That's exciting. All right. Well, we're moving on. Let's do it. To another monster movie. (laughs) Not really. I mean, maybe. Uh, That film. The monster is man. (sighs) Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) We're going to butt heads so bad. With the this. monster is capitalism, Adam Hall. <laughs> it was already the monster in Snowpiercer. I get it. I get it. I get it. And Parasite, for that matter. Mm. Capitalism. Yeah. He's not a fan. No. He's not a fan, I guess. Nope. Yeah, whatever. Uh, 
Okja is that film. Okja. Okja. Released on Netflix. Booed at Cannes. Booed? Because as soon as the Netflix logo came up, they're like, boo, we don't like Netflix. Oh, Hollywood's so pretentious. Yeah, snobby. I literally... <laughs> I, I literally write right here. If you look closely in my notes, it says snobby pricks. Oh my so, God. Yeah. So that's that. You know, get over yourselves, man. You know, because one day you idiots at can, you're going to make a movie yourselves and Netflix is the only guys that are going to yeah. fund you. Yeah. That's very, very true. Like Spike Lee couldn't get to five bloods made. He went to every studio. No, he, this is Spike Lee. This is one of the most famous directors in the world. Well, Could not get the five bloods made. Had to go to Netflix as a final resort. Well, that was the same thing with the Irishman. Yes, Martin Scorsese couldn't get a movie made. Right. Yeah. Have fun, guys. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Good luck to you, aspiring <laughs> NYU student. Fucking booing Oakja can idiots. Ridiculous. That's the worst. Whatever. Anyway, it's an ensemble cast. Certainly. Yeah. Headed by a South Korean child actress uh, An Sia Hoon, who I believe was in the host. Who'd she play? I think she played the daughter. Was she the... Hold on. Let's look this up real quick. I have the page right here. Uh, I am not seeing the host. No? Under her credits. No. Nope. Really? Hmm. I do not recognize anything she was in. Snowpiercer? Was she in Snowpiercer? Nope. Really? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought she was. Regardless. Um, yeah. So uh, that name again. An Sia Hong. Some other South Korean actors. Myon Hee Bong. Uh, Yoon Ji Moon and Choi Wook Sheik uh, and Hollywood actors Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, Stephen Yun, uh, Lily Collins, Shirley well, Henderson. Stephen Yun is a South Korean actor. Yeah, but he's like, from South Korea, isn't yeah, he? But he's, yes, he is. But he's you know lives in America and is known for his American work. Before. Incredible in Burning. Really incredible. Uh, didn't even realize he was in Burning. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shirley Henderson, Daniel uh, Henshaw, Devin uh, Bostic, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, indelible Jake Gyllenhaal. Talk about overqualified henchmen. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Hollywood tropes. Bobby Cannavale is that all the time in movies now. That's true. Where he just plays second in command and mm-hmm. he has no business being second in command no <laughs> giancarlo esposito playing an evil henchman to tilda swinton in this movie is so bizarre isn't he always doing that though yeah like you said uh, giancarlo i mean look at the mandalorian no i think in the mandalorian though he's like the main villain now right yeah but he feels like an afterthought in a lot of ways and it's similar here it's just so weird that Gus Fring is just like a corporate like gopher. Like he's just he's just doing Tilda Swinton's laundry. Oh, you don't you don't buy him as that kind of after Gus Fring, you mean? Yeah, of course not. I mean, do you? I mean, I see that guy. All I think is Gus Fring and Giancarlo Esposito's got a pretty good film career, but it, it's all Breaking Bad, right? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. He's pretty good in the Jungle Book, but he dies in the Jungle Book. I, that's true. He does die in the Jungle Book. Uh, I mean, he's in all those early Spike Lee movies. He's in yeah, the right true. thing. He's in Malcolm X. Um. Yeah. No. I that that stuck out to me like a sore thumb. I'm I like, <laughs> I didn't mind it at all. This dude is going right into the overqualified evil henchman hall of fame. I was fine with that. I'm okay with. I'm okay with it. Okay. Uh, some other thoughts about the cast. Uh, well, Tilda Swinton does Tilda Swinton's things, doesn't he? Yes. Doesn't she? She only goes this far, in my opinion, with Bong. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else she's she's done that was like that insane. I mean, maybe I'm not thinking hard enough. How was she in Suspiria? Oh, I, you beat me to it. <laughs> Suspiria, she goes for it. Okay. 
Uh, she also plays multiple characters in Suspiria in a very interesting fashion, we shall say. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look that up because it's pretty fucking nuts, the people she plays in that movie. Okay. <laughs> but she's excellent in the movie. Um, Her Wes Anderson work is a little more dialed down, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Let me ask you a question. Is Tilda Swinton a good actress? Yeah. Yes. Why are we both so, like, muted on Tilda Swinton? She's funny looking. I don't think that's what it is. Is that all it is? What it is for Are me? we that shallow? It's what it is for me. I feel like I should really like Tilda Swinton. I think she's a very good actress, but she looks funny. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's the same way in Hail Caesar. I'm like, mm. you're really good here, and you're kind of going for it, and it's fun. But what's wrong with your face? Oh, God, that's so mean. No, it's not like that, but it's just odd. I, I just think, like, uh, her characters are a little too quirky. Too much quirk. Kind of like the female Johnny Depp. I don't think so. Not, not female Johnny Depp is, um, um, Jesus Christ, what the hell? Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, well, okay, I guess. Blatantly obvious. Uh, they're like the same person, though. <laughs> they're like Siamese twins at this point. Yes, you know? I doubt it. Yeah. Her, her J- Johnny Depp and Tim Burton are like, you know, they're like King Ghidorah. They're the third <laughs> dragon. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just think like Tilda is, you know, doing her thing, whatever. Uh, I want to talk about Hall here, though. That's who I really want to talk about. I got, I have to start by saying, yeah, because we're going to get into some interesting details. I really like the movie. Okay. I think it was like number eight on my like year list for when it came out. Was it 2017? A little yeah. too high. Yeah. I really like the movie. Um, <laughs> there are some funny choices here, I shall say. Jake Gyllenhaal being one of them. Yeah. Well, he's kind of doing Jim Carrey. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> I just know that he's doing Jim Carrey. And I, I, I don't know if Jim Carrey would work in this role. Okay, here's the problem. Is that not only does that character not work in this role, like, not, it's not just the performance by Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like the character himself is so radically out of place from everything else in the movie. Not even just the movie, but Bong's other films. Yes. Does this character make any sense in a, in a, in a Bong film? No. No, like, like like the sort of schmarmy like t- reality TV star, attention seeking whore, yeah, who's always getting shit on and hates himself. Like, yeah, no, uh, um, I mean, look, the dude has some quirky characters in his movies, sure, but I, I I still feel like the characters in Parasite are more grounded than these characters. Yes, you know, like there's a there's a uh, authentic quirk, and then there's just shtick, which this is shtick. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is doing shtick. Tilda Swinton is doing shtick. And that first 10 minutes of the movie, like the movie opens with Tilda Swinton in front of a giant TV monitor advertising this new super pig, this new like super animal that's going to be farmed. It's going to change farming forever. Um, it, It was very corporate and it was very like satirical, like very obvious sort of dystopian satire going on here, an environmental message. Um that just didn't work for me at all. It just it didn't it, across the board did not work in wow. any way. Okay, um, and that just really annoyed me right off uh, off the bat. <laughs> like there was a real sort of inauthenticity to what was going on here, and it felt a little too heavy handed. And I frankly think that Bong is above a lot of it. I didn't mind it. It didn't totally not work for me. I like heavy handed satire. Okay, because it's you know satire. I just like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like if you're gonna go for it, go for it. You know, it's not like necessarily changing the world it's a fucking movie yeah so uh 
yeah, just have fun with it. And at least in the beginning, the movie certainly does. I didn't mind that. And it's, you know, got its point across and it was funny and also a little uncomfortable and off putting. And I think that works for the character that one of the characters that Tilda Swinton is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in a way that did actually kind of work for me, which is fine. I get the, the thing is I understand why it wouldn't work for somebody else. Yes. You know, you just have to be able to vibe with something like that. If you, if you're okay with broad strokes in yeah. movies, which yeah. I am very okay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also not great with environmental satire. I know. Either. And that was a little annoying. I will say, though, the movie does a pretty effective job of satirizing both corporate America and the animal rights people. Well, this, okay. There's a lot of things that it's satirizing you because you're right. It does yeah. a, it does an excellent job of being a little more objective about it. It's just interested in showing why all sides are, are very, very bad here. Yes. Um, but, Yes, like, of course, like you said, the animal rights people are incredibly flawed and more violent than they think they are, which is excellent. I mm-hmm. love that because I think it's so true. Yep. Um, but also the the various sides of corporate America as well, in that there is a liberal side and a conservative side. Mm. And Tilda Swinton plays two characters that literally represent the polar opposite. Yes. And while that's very, very on the nose, I don't think I've seen another movie do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually quite happy that this movie had the audacity to go for it. It's pretty way. even-handed, yeah. And I'm like, thank you for at least doing that. Because yes. if you're going to be heavy-handed, be a little more dynamic with it. Don't, you know, I, and you can... You can you can cover all sides and still be very pointed and sharp and, and make a, a a particular impact. And I feel like it did. Right. Yeah. There is a, a look, there is good satire and bad satire, right? There, there is good social commentary and bad social commentary. Sure. I, I know we keep coming back to Joker, but Joker is just the most clear example of this. Like Joker is an example of a movie that doesn't understand what it's commenting on. Mm-hmm. So all it says is the system is bad. <laughs> and so that's a movie that, attacks all sides but by doing so really says nothing well i i say this a lot and like again and and you're right about that i hate to say this as well it's kind of my problem with us yeah i i know us is again like like joker as well it's a movie that says i don't want to be just one thing i want to be everything Mm -hmm. and in the process of trying to be everything never solidifies one clear direction doesn't solidify one clear focus and as a result has no clear identity right and that's the problem now what okja does is it is able to satirize all of the sides but it still feels like it's taking a side itself it still feels like it has conviction it's it's satire it's social commentary with a point of view yeah. And that point of view is you're bad and you're bad and you're bad and all can be true at the same time. Yep. Um, and I, I appreciate that. Although like some characters are more heroic than others. Sure. Like I think Paul Dano's character is more heroic than Tilda Swinton's character. That's true. There is still like a fair amount of criticism for this entire process. Like this entire system that just traps a little girl in her pet pig mm-hmm. um you know there there is something quite touching about that oh yeah and the relationship between the girl and the the super pig mm-hmm. okja okja yeah, obviously uh that's the side you're supposed to land on right just them being in the the jungle just having the time of their life yeah you know it's like this is the perfect friendship and how dare you break that you know it's a bond that can't be described it's a little you know fluffy sure but it works. Yeah. Unlike I'm, the creature, which is not fluffy at all. No, ironically. Yeah. Like, I want a super pig. Give yeah. me a super pig. I would dig a super pig. Yeah. That first, like, 20 minutes of exposition was, I think, my favorite part of the movie, um, where Oak just saves the, uh, the girl yeah. from falling down the cliff in that creative way mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just hanging out on that on that house on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. I just loved that world. And, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I just... 
I'm a sucker for a, a story like that, man. I'm suck. I'm a sucker for ET. You know, well, it's it's very yeah. You're right, and it's quiet, and it, everything that happens is dictated by their actions, and you just learn so much about the relationship between how they you know just go about walking up this mountain or playing or shitting in a in a fucking pond, which is interesting. Yeah, too many poop jokes. A lot of. Poop I'm jokes. sorry, Bong. Too many poop jokes. That's nah, okay. I get that too. <laughs> uh, but again, too incredibly touching, incredibly touching, which just makes it more all the more disturbing when she's taken mm. and when like the grand the the grandfather is like it's okay i have a gold pig for you <laughs> <laughs> you're getting too old for pets anyway yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, really well done in my opinion yeah. most of the movies like like that for me i especially i really like that finale that's really upsetting yeah i the actual climax the very moment where the conflict is resolved i thought was a little too convenient with the pig yeah yeah I, and that was just I don't know, a little too on the nose. It, it, kind of similar to Snowpiercer in that way. It, it didn't work for me only because I like like the moment when they're leaving. I like the whole sequence of building yes. up to that moment and the moment where they're finally leaving. Where they hide the little baby pig. Uh, yeah. So sad, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I loved it so much, though. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, the problem is I just don't buy that this conservative corporate woman would give a shit about a golden pig. Right. Like, I exactly. just think she'd be like, yeah, what the hell? Is She's it? got a multi-billion dollar operation already up and running. Like, yeah. What <laughs> what it's do like, I need this for? Your pig's worth a lot more. Than that, <laughs> right. So. Yeah. That's like, yeah. In Jeff Bezos terms, it's like three bucks. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a little questionable. But what follows is 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 really sad, but eventually very, very touching. And I mean, the movie ends on a much more like warming note for me. The movie's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, that's the thing about it, man. It's a Hollywood production, mm-hmm. although it's directed by a great auteur like it's. Not quite a blockbuster, but it's got like a lot of mainstream sensibilities. Yeah. I guess I, I was I was hoping for something a little stranger. And this movie wasn't so so much strange as much as like just like very heavy handed and with a very distinct point of view. Sure. But I, I, I feel like I've seen this kind of movie before. I don't yeah. think like, you know, evil corporation fucks with a little girl's cat <laughs> is that's not like a, a, a that's not outside the box storytelling you know no i agree yeah but i don't know it, it's it, it, your mileage is going to vary depending on how how okay you are with quote-unquote heavy-handed material yes here's my problem is that like it, it, in uh the, not so much with this movie specifically is that when you're when you're getting heavy-handed with anything if it's too grounded if you're getting heavy handed with your social commentary and it takes place, you know, right outside your door, there are no other heightened elements to it. Then I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. That just seems a little outrageous. And it's it's I don't know, it's not balanced and you're making it too black and white and it's always much more gray than that. But if you're going to be a little more, you know, fantastical or, or, or over the top or, you know, something that. All, in a way, all this almost could have even been animated. <laughs> yes, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. If you're if you're gonna get heavy handed with your with your ideas, this is a better outlet for that than you know. I don't know. I, I keep trying to think of an example of a movie that should not be heavy handed, but you know. I get. I mean, that is the movie, though, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, here's a good example. I I even though I think the movie's a lot of fun, I actually prefer this to the uh um, Jesus, The Big Short. Or Vice. There's, there you go. Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. You know, it's like, no. Well, that's For- also a movie about real life. 
And so that like is takes it? on. Well, I mean, the Big Short is is that, I, I that know event that. literally happened. I know that, but like both movies are like again, like Vice in particular is just so dishonest. Yes. <laughs> no. My point being that when you're playing around with real ideas, you have to be more careful. Like there, there's an added resonance to it because you're basing it off of real life. This because there's a giant super pig yeah. creature. Like, yeah, you can you can paint with a broader brush but that's what i prefer and that's why i don't have an issue with sort of the broad i get strokes. you i get you for sure yeah. like the broad strokes and something like vice really bother me yeah uh yeah uh, maybe just not don't cast jake gyllenhaal yeah that's, that's the biggest that's biggest <laughs> the biggest yes i know i understand jake gyllenhaal what is he doing here man? i don't know when he man, walks but, up the mountain and he's covered in sweat uh, and he's like yeah. <laughs> he's panting oh it's some water the way he looks at the pig too it's just like what are you doing what what character do you think you're playing he's making a lot of decisions all at once yeah <laughs> there's a scene where he takes bacon out of the fucking pig and eats the pig yeah what the hell and he's sobbing to himself he's like i don't want to do this to you oh, it's so it's like it's not good like jig jill it's so jim carrey i yeah. couldn't believe how jim carrey it was i mean good for you for playing jim carrey but like that's i don't know if that's the correct decision i think we all ran out of that shtick uh, about 20 years ago Hey, Ace Ventura is pretty fucking funny still. The greatest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's Oak Jim. Anything else about that? Nah, I'm good. Okay. I really like the movie. Um, moving on to the last one, and this is the, the big, big rule breaker for us because this freaking movie came out in 2019. Less than a year ago. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, and that movie is, of course, Parasite, which stars yet again Song Kang. Oh, Jesus. You know, he's really the same kind of director, isn't he? Just cast the same fucking people in all of his movies. Mm. Pretty lame. Mm. You know, I don't like Bong anymore, but I'll keep going on. Yeah, uh, I can't think of any other directors that do that. Yeah. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> From time to time. From time to time. We'll get to that other director one of these days. Not Quentin Tarantino, the other one that I'm sure you're thinking of. The one that shall not be named? Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't speak his name, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Song Kang Ho, Lee Son Kun, uh, Cho Yeo uh, Jung, Choi Wook Shik. Uh, did I repeat this? Or are these just the same people? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I uh, I'll read it from the IMDb here. These names, man. Song Kang Ho, Lee Soon, Lee Soon Quinn. Yeah. Yo- <laughs> Joe <laughs> You know the cast of Parasite. Love- Y'all just saw the movie like two months ago. I love this shtick. <laughs> what are their names? Yang He Jin. I think and, you're reading from the wrong page. Uh Lee Jong Yun. No, no, never mind. You're not. Yeah. Regardless, mm. uh a poor family schemes to become employed by a wealthy family by infiltrating their household and posing as unrelated, highly qualified individuals. This is a very important movie. Whew, this is a mouthful. The highest grossing South Korean film earning $266 million against an $11.4 million budget. Makes sense. Uh, among its numerous accolades, Parasite won a leading four awards in the 92nd Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best International Feature Film. Quite crazy. Oh, boy. I think won all four of the categories it was nominated in. Did it win Best Editing, too? I'm not sure about that. Maybe. Let me, let me see. Maybe, maybe. Uh, oh, no. I, it, it was also nominated for production design and, and, and editing and, and, and lost both. Okay, yeah. okay. I believe it was Ford v. Ford Ferrari. v. Ferrari. That's right. 
And then I think Once Upon a Time won production design. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, becoming the first non-English film to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Pretty relevant. Big, big deal. Huge deal. <laughs> yep. It was also the first South Korean film to receive uh, an Academy Award recognition uh, ever. Ever. This is the first South Korean film to get Academy yeah. Award recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it is the first, as I said, nominee from South Korea in the history of the Oscars. Yes. Crazy. That doesn't make any sense to me. Really. So South Korea is one for one at the Academy Awards. Mm, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it is the first film since 1955's Marty to win the Palme d'Or and the Academy Award for Best Picture. It's is also, that right? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Swear to God. Wow. That's also nuts. To I don't. The Academy's so weird. It's so weird. They're, they're, I just feel like they're tone deaf. Um. Anyway, I'm shocked that that award has only overlapped once since '55. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I agree. It's just so strange to me. It doesn't make any sense. Let me look up the last couple Palm Dior winners. Let, let, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the Palm Dior winners are generally better than the Best Picture winners, or would it be vice versa? Ooh. Um. If you had to guess. I mean, for me personally, uh, it's it's more split. I see plenty of Palm Dior winners that I'm like, yeah, no. But then there's uh, but then there's so many where it's like, oh, that was such an interesting choice, and I and I understand it. Okay, here here are your last couple Palm Dior winners. Ready? Uh, last year was Parasite. Uh, the year before that was Shoplifters, which I've not seen yet. Uh, 2017 was The Square. 2016 was I Daniel Blake. Okay. 2015 was Deepon. 2014 was Winter's Sleep. Wow. Okay, no wonder. 2013 is Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh, God, that's right. 2012 was Amour. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew that one. 2011, The Tree of Life. That makes sense. 2010, Uncle Boon May, who can recall his past lives. That's the whole name? Yes. Okay. Uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 won in 2004. Wow. Yeah. Gus Van Sant's Elephant won in 2003. Yep. Who's more out of touch? The Cannes Film Festival for the Palme d'Or? <laughs> well, there you go. It's closer than we thought. <laughs> yeah. I'd also like to note this is the first Korean film to win the Palme d'Or. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, now, apparently, according to like major film forces, this is the first South Korean movie ever. <laughs> it's fucking crazy as far it, as it actually bothers me like these like, bodies are concerned the amount of recognition and it's because i love this movie but the amount of recognition is actually kind of annoying not because of the film itself but because of the people giving it recognition i'm like guys seriously get a load of this 1955 was the first year of the palm d'Or. ah and that's when marty won cool i've actually not seen marty uh i have not either mm-hmm. um i know it as the trivia question from uh, the movie Quiz Show. That is the yeah, question that he takes yeah. a dive on. I love Marty. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love that. That's a good movie. Yeah, really that's a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, man, um, I, I'm sorry, you, you can continue. I just wanted to make a note about the Oscars, though, and how, like, 2020 is a really weird year for a number of reasons. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so many reasons. And, but, and it's so crazy. The fact that Parasite won Best Picture is just a footnote. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you guys understand how crazy that is, that Parasite won Best Picture. That is fucking insane. It's, ama- it's a miracle. I think it was the, the, one of the greatest decisions they've ever made. Personally. Yes, I agree. I honestly believe that. But I think we're going to look back. And I, look, I don't know. History will, will tell. Like, w- w- That's the reason why we do this podcast. What movie is remembered most fondly? Um, but 2019 was a great movie year and also like a great Oscar movie year. Yes. 
You know, like you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino. It's a movie about old Hollywood. The the Academy eats that stuff up. You have a Martin Scorsese gangster movie. Yeah. You have a like biopic, uh, uh, like competently made movie star racing movie in Ford v That's Ferrari. True. You have 1917, which is a World War One movie in a single take, very flashily directed, kind of gaudy at times, but still like <laughs> Oscar bait yep. that movie. Um, you have Little Women, which is like a period yeah. piece a novel adaptation. Like the Academy usually eats all this stuff up. Yet they pick this one little weird psychological thriller from South Korea from this nut job of an auteur. It's just so crazy that not only a foreign film won Best Picture, we never thought that would happen, yeah. but that a foreign film won Best Picture against a very traditional list of Best Picture nominees. I know. I know. I mean, they're all good movies, but like, yeah, the, the, I, in my opinion, I was surprised by the amount of recognition that it was getting, but I also wasn't aware of how much recognition it was actually getting. This just struck a very specific nerve that I don't even think the Academy understood. Yeah. They just loved it. It's amazing how many people love this movie. I mean, it, it is. The other thing I have to point out, uh, Parasite uh, ranked first in a survey conducted by IndieWire of over 300 critics in the best film, best director, best screenplay, and best foreign film categories. Parasite appeared on over 240 critics' end-of-the-year top 10 lists, including 77 who ranked the film first. Sounds low. <laughs> it's a lot, though. That's it's 77 public. Holy shit. Yeah. People fucking adore this movie. Yeah. And uh, Bong Joon-ho's first all-Korean production since Mother in 2009. Uh, yeah, no, this is him returning to his motherland and uh, making a story uh, that's apparently very personal to him. And that's the thing about this movie. We, we've talked about it a yeah, bunch. I mean, it's been the year of Parasite mm -hmm. in the film world. Um, but yeah, this movie is an incredible satire of like class differences, but also feels incredibly personal and you adore these characters and you sympathize with them through and through, even though there is not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. Um, it's just like a really interesting study in human nature. No, it's a it's a character study in, yeah. in the pure sense, but also a really, really great thriller. Yeah. It just balances out nicely. You could watch this as just pure social commentary, or you don't have to. Yeah. And those are the best films for me, you know, that ones that uh, you know, are are kind of obvious as to what they're about, but also you could just sit back and enjoy it, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is certainly that. And I love everybody in this movie. And Never before have I seen a family chemistry so fucking awesome. It's a great ensemble. Isn't it just perfect? And you know, this thing won the SAG Award. It won Best Ensemble at the SAGs, despite having no individual nominations for any of the cast members. Man, my favorite scene, though, when he's the yelling at his wife and he grabs her by the shirt, and it's just a, something they do. Yeah. They're just fucking with each other. Oh, all that chemistry. Like, when, so when, he, when he grabs her ass yeah. after they're, they're, you know, walking through the yeah. kitchen just to, like, signify, oh, hey, we're, we're still married. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. Also has that third act twist, or I guess second act twist with the basement. And man, in most movies that wouldn't work, but Bong pulls it off. Well, it's nuts. It's a fucking crazy, crazy, crazy twist that yeah. you really don't see coming. I remember going to see it with Abby and she was like, what the fuck is going we on? We saw it now? together, right? You and I? Yeah. Yes, we saw it together. We saw it in Hartford, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then I saw it again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we went and saw it in Newport. Yeah. Okay. Cause she was like itching to see it. Cause everyone was talking about it. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's go see it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, there's a great little quote where he, uh, Bong was asked if this was his best film. Okay. Stupid question to ask a filmmaker. Right. Really. Why would you ever ask that question? Well, because they always give you the worst answer. His answer. Yeah. Bong shrugs says, uh, uh, that this is, uh, uh, you know, maybe 
but then he pauses and says, I hope my next one's the best. You know? I love that. I just love Bong. Also, like, one of the highlights of award season this year. Man, I thought I loved Olivia Coleman the, yeah. the previous year. Bong's accept- acceptance speeches, not just his acceptance speeches, but just his reaction to winning was the most charming and delightful thing I've seen in a while. It's really great. The first award that he wins, when he wins Best Screenplay, and he's just staring at the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In, you, you just like see like his side profile, and he's just like I in awe of the statue. I can't believe I'm holding this, because all the other actors are like... Yeah, Joaquin literally puts it down on the ground because he saw this coming. But that's one of the great things about the Oscars this year is that really no one saw this coming. No, it was like a foregone conclusion. Like he may pick up screenplay. He's going to pick up best foreign film. But he thought he was done after that. He didn't think he was going to win best director. He didn't think it was going to he's going to win best picture. Man, like it's a dream country. Could you imagine what he must have been feeling? I so want to be at his shoes. Like that must be the most euphoric thing. Because that never happens. You never get a surprise at the Oscars. It's always a foregone conclusion. This is a miracle. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. So that great speech where he's thanking Marty and Quentin and and kind of throws shade at Sam Mendes. He didn't throw shade at them. He just didn't put put as much attention to them. It was kind of like, yeah, Todd Phillips, you're a good director. I love you guys. That was fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I love the I want to cut this up with a Texas chainsaw and yeah. distribute it to you guys. She's yeah. just such a film nerd. Right. I love it. It's the best. Yeah. It, this movie's on Hulu. It is, I assume, done very well on Hulu. I think it might have been the highest th- per theater average movie of last year when it opened at the IFC Theater in New York for its first screening. Evidently, there was a line around the block. Yeah. Like it was the most sought after um, movie screening of the year. You just don't get this out of foreign films. This is seriously unheard of. There is no other movie in history that has captured American audiences in this way. It's crazy. Like I said, like I said, two hundred and sixty-six million dollars. I mean, I understand that's not like Avengers numbers, but like for a movie, like for a this, movie like this. Whoa, yes, <laughs> kind of a dying breed too. This type yeah, of movie, right. you, the, American audiences don't embrace movies like this anymore. It's really sad. But that everybody I ever spoke to like loved it. Yes, loved it, loved it, and I just didn't quite see that coming. Yeah. This movie's very impressive. I mean, we like I said, we talked about it a lot, like like since since it came out. So, you know, we don't need to hang on this forever. But it's just, it's an interesting film looking back, and just that you know, like with everything that we were given in 2019, who would have thought that it would have been as good as this? Because it was a good enough year as it was. Yes. To think that this movie would have come out on top, just like is like the cherry. Yes. It's like wow, perfect <laughs> final half of the movie year. Because remember how shitty it was at the beginning? It was horrendous. And then all of a sudden... Yeah. I, I do think like January, February, March gets worse and worse every year, though. Yeah. I just feel like this stuff gets more backloaded because it's only Oscar bait movies that mm-hmm. are worth discussing anymore. Um, you know, you don't get like Silence of the Lambs in February. <laughs> That'd be kind of amazing. Think about that. That movie came out in February. Did it? Yeah. Because it's a horror movie. I know. guess. But like... And it won Best Picture. It won the top five. Can you imagine... Yeah. Can you like can you imagine like a movie that that's like an Oscar bait best picture movie coming out in just like March? Yeah. <laughs> and truly surprising people. That was my feeling with Fury Road where it's just like it just comes out in May and it's like it's you know it's another Mad Max movie and then it's like the greatest movie ever. Right. <laughs> but even that though that movie wasn't made for best picture consideration and really it had no chance at best picture. I actually think that was the wrong decision in hindsight. Well, no, but, I, I think most people agree that it's the wrong decision, but, but that movie wasn't made with the yeah. Oscars in mind. No, 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 no. I agree with that. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, Spotlight won that year, and that's a fine movie, but... Come on. Yeah. 
I, my only point is like it, the award season has become so like cynical and it, and it's so like routine. It's just like clockwork every year. It's like October, November, December. That's when the Oscar bait movies come out. I know. And it's so, so predictable too. That's yes. the other thing. I mean, here's the thing is like, they, they're so, they so, they're so like trendy and, and current about things. Like I know you're probably very, very happy when Jordan Peele won his Oscar. I was, yeah. Best original screen. But my problem with that is like the following year, they gave the same award to Green Book. Yes. And that kind of lose all your validity. Yeah, that's what happens with the Oscars, though. It's like they take one step forward and two steps back. Yeah. It's so, like every once in a while you get like a really cool best picture winner. Yeah. And then like again yeah like moonlight was 2016 yeah. everybody's like even you know your mileage may vary on moonlight but that is still like a really cool choice sure yeah, yeah. for best picture I agree, I agree and then you get shape of water and green book and now we get parasite again this year and i'm sure the next two years we're going to be disappointed as well yeah yeah you but know? this is like one of the best decisions they ever made yeah in my opinion i agree and it is not to be understated how mainstream audiences have embraced this movie um and i think like if we're talking about legacy quality impact. This one certainly has the best legacy of all of these. It's disqualified. Okay. You're disqualifying it. Yes. I'm not putting it in. It's too soon. Yes. Okay. You think in like five years from now, we'll look back and we'll be like, what a shit movie parasite was. No. Okay. But dude, it just came out. <laughs> yeah. It just came out. <laughs> it's not even a year old. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have to pick another one then. And it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. It? Well, if, if if it's just disqualified, <laughs> there's not much of a debate. Then, is no, there? I don't think I'm not even. No, I, I was very apprehensive about Parasite just because like it literally just came out. Right. It's it's like I, I do thoroughly believe like who knows 10 years. I don't think anyone's going to dislike the movie, but I don't know. We might not. We might look back on it and be like, yeah, it's still really good, but it's still not like quite as amazing as Memories of a Murder was or something like that. I don't know. I think Memories of a Murder is probably my favorite too. It's I fucking love that movie. Man, it really isn't close for me. It's pretty close for me, but I think yeah, I think I mean it's more my kind of movie anyway. Mm, yeah, that's true. Uh the rest of these not so much. The Host is not an eco movie. Snowpiercer not an eco movie. Okja definitely not an eco movie. Yeah. Memories of a Murder is an eco movie though. Yeah. And an Adam movie. Okay, so I think that means that Memories Is it Memories of a Murder or is Memories of Murder? I think it's just Memories of Murder. Because I've been calling it Memories of a Murder. Yeah, Memories of Murder. And maybe I've just been getting... Hold on. Let me Google this real quick. Memories of... Uh, I think it's... No, it's just Memories of Murder. Why have I been calling it a murder? Is it having Anatomy of a Murder in your head? Yeah. I do that sometimes. There it is. Anatomy of a Murder. Okay, yeah. Memories of Murder. Congratulations. Oh, it's also my fault, by the way. Exposition for a murder. There you go. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> the most iconic film ever made. <laughs> That clap is not for exposition for a murder. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> uh, okay. You want to draft? Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Want to do this? Mm, that, we, that has been a month of directors. That's a lot of movies. Oh, my God. We did so many fucking movies. Oof. Jesus. You Christ. think you did a lot of movies. I did do a lot of movies. I watched four Hayao Miyazaki movies and three Bong Joon-ho movies. And the King of Staten Island <laughs> and Defy Bloods in the last seven days. I still watched a lot of movies. I watched Starman in between there. You know? Oh, and I watched They Live. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, you watched They Live. Yeah, I'm, I I did a lot of movies this week. <laughs> I got to take a break. <laughs> oh, and you made me watch uh, There's Something with the Johnsons or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. What's wrong with the Johnsons? There's there's something about the Johnsons? What something you... about the Johnsons? Yeah. Oh, the strange thing about the Johnsons. Jesus. Yeah, it is. Jesus Christ. What a movie. Great movie. I watched the first three minutes. Adam played it for me. Um, I don't care to finish it. I think you should, though. Okay. <laughs> Would not recommend if you're a... Uh, your family man i would recommend i don't think dad should watch this movie i think father and son should sit down right next to each other get very very close and just watch mm. that sounds right right and ari aster's something <sighs> else man. my review I had, to, I had to write a review about it <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um you want to do 1988 you want to do 88 yeah we're kind of running out of years. I just wrote down a list of all the movie all the movie years we haven't covered yet. There's a lot of movie years, dude. Well, I mean, we'd have to go back. Yeah, I, I know, but like, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, there are only nine years between nineteen seventy and today that we have not covered yet. Nineteen seventy and today? Well nine and, and two thousand ten, what, whatever our limit is. What about the night? We've done all through the nineties? We wow. just 96 is the only one we haven't covered yet. We, we could end up doing a lot of the 90s then, you know, a lot of the 2000s probably. How many of the 2000s have we done? Oh boy. No, we've, we've, we've not done nine. There are only nine left is uh, what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Are all you right. understanding what I'm saying? Not quite. <laughs> what do you mean? Not quite. What do you mean? Love, okay. Like, there from are na- from the year, from the year 1970 all the way up to the year 2010. Really? There are only nine movie years left that we have yet to cover. Wow. That's my point. We've done this a lot. That's insane. I We've done many podcasts. All right. All right. I forget. <laughs> uh, we still have to do the year of the Godfather, by the way. That's true. So. I think 88, we've seen most of these. I think it'll be a nice little break for us. Okay. Um, so should I go first? Yeah, why not? Okay. I will draft Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I guess I got to do Die Hard. And let's do Rain Man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Kind of a stacked year. <laughs> Whoa. Do I have to? I guess I have to do big, right? Well, I don't think you necessarily have to. I mean, there's a bunch, man. We just talked My Neighbor, Totoro, but there's Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice. I could do Akira. You could. It's a very important movie. Could hmm. do Bloodsport. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Midnight Run came out that year. Wow. See, the problem is when you scroll through these, oh my God, twins. Twins. Fucking twins. <laughs> Child's Play. Fish Called Wanda came out that year. Killer Clouds from Outer Space. Oh. Naked Gun. Jesus. Thin Blue Line. Oh, Bull no. Durham. I don't, I don't All right. Uh, <laughs> Halloween 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heathers? Ooh, The Blob. That's a good one. Vampire's Kiss. Great one. Hairspray. Hmm. What are you going with? Dude, fuck. We already talked They Live. Uh, man. I'm, I'm interested in... I've never seen Akira. That's the thing, but... I don't know. Uh, I, Beetlejuice. I gotta talk Beetlejuice. Yeah. I guess... Do you want me to just put a cure on there and have, have you have more fun with it? I think we can leave big off. I think. I mean, I guess, yeah. 
you know? I don't mind. Like, I really like Big, but, like, I mean. No, I I love Big, but, and also Mississippi Burning is awesome, too, but I think we can. Yeah, it is. Coming to America's on here? Oh, geez. This is a tough one. I, I really like You know what? Let's do, let's do Midnight Run. Okay. Let's do Midnight Run. Never seen it. Oh, you'll love that movie. Yeah, yeah. So what is it now? Um, I'm kind of kind of lost track because we went over like 20 different movies. So, <laughs> we've got Beetlejuice, Die Hard, Rain Man, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Midnight Run. All right. And you pick one more. One more. Yeah, I've been interested in watching Akira for a very long time. So. Okay, more Asian movies for me to watch. Hey, it's fine. That's great. It's fine. Uh, okay, good. I feel like we'll regret these nominations pretty soon. Stand and Deliver, great movie. I don't know, man. Heather's is really good, too. You ever seen Heather's? Uh, boy, have I seen Heather's? I think I have. Great dark comedy. That's with, Winona. Yeah, Winona Ryder. That's yeah. right, that's right. See, I would have nominated They Live, but we already you know, yeah. discussed it. Okay, we'll go with that. All right, that's that's coming next week for the year 1988. And uh, we have some other fun surprises. We're banking a bunch of shows, so we're getting ahead of the game here. Well, there's a lot of stuff going down in, yeah. in our lives. We're traveling, seeing the world, and we're not going to be Being young. That's right. You know, setting the world on fire. <laughs> that's us. Fuck that song. But I hope you enjoyed uh, a month of uh, of uh, of directors. Yeah, and we're doing the same thing to kind of on Why Is This a Thing? Yeah, June Carpenter is just wrapping up. Yep, still going on. On Why Is This a Thing? Listen for some reviews of some John Carpenter movies. That was a lot of fun. Uh, this month, yeah, 1988 is coming up. We, uh, we're going to record some other fun shows that are not quite our format. I assume there will be some tenant conversations coming up. Well, assuming it gets released. Yes, assuming no. it's released in a movie theater. Where am I going to see it? Uh, at the back of Christopher Nolan's house. I guess so. I think just let's pull up <laughs> and just have him project it on his IMAX screen. Traveling the world to show people in the back of his car. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I, I'd do it. I'd get in a van with Chris Nolan. I don't think I would. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I'll find in there. <laughs> uh, and that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay. A lot of potting today. Yeah, a lot of potting. This was fun. Yeah. Join the Discord. Tweet us. I'm at Funny Nico Tweets. He's at some Adam Hall. Let us know what you think of the pods. Oh, please do. And we love you. I'm tired. Until next time. Just pour all the formaldehyde down the drain to the last drop. 